0: Bullet cast f- 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 for life. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Under the radar. My name is Brandon Tanguma, and on today's episode, I'm going to be previewing the new beginning shows in Sapporo as well as the latest episode of NXT and the World's Collide event that happened on Saturday. But first, we got some news on Kota Ibushi. He has been diagnosed with Mallory Wise Syndrome. I don't exactly know what the hell this is, to be honest with you guys. So I'm just going to read pretty much the entire article from Wrestling Observer. So on Monday, Dave Meltzer reported that Kota Ibushi is suffering from the syndrome and will remain off the remainder... The remainder of the current New Japan Wrestling U.S. tour. So the syndrome is an issue when there is a tear in the mucous membrane where the esophagus meets the stomach, causing caused by either trauma by in the chest or stomach, violent vomiting due to poisoning or heavy lifting. So this can be a multitude of issues of how the syndrome has been started. Melzer said that it's not a long-term issue, but it is rare for a male under 40 to suffer from it. Most tears will heal within 10 days, but surgery is sometimes required for more serious Mallory-wise tears. The 37-year-old is expected to make a full recovery. As of now, he is scheduled for a February 9th road to the beginning's show in Osaka as part of the eight-man tag. Originally, Abushi was pulled from the tour due to what was believed the flu. And the tour ends this Saturday in Atlanta. So we did talk a little bit about that, and I didn't think too much of it. But now it has come out that it seems as though it's a much more serious uh, illness, yet serious, but not in terms of life-threatening or career-threatening. It's just going to be something that's going to put them out for at least a week or two. It's a bushy. Who knows exactly what? Stir this on. He's a he has a beautiful body, so he, you know he probably lifts some some heavy weights. Maybe he uh, got some food poisoning and got some sick, and so you know this can be a whole multitude of things. But luckily, it doesn't seem as though. The uh, it doesn't seem as serious as at, at what if you would read the headline that maybe it's something very very bad. But speaking of the new beginning shows, there are two new beginning in Sapporo shows this weekend. We are on the road to new beginning both in the United States and over. In Japan, there are three New Beginning shows in total, and with these, with the kind of three "quote unquote" major shows all kind of in this under the same banner, there's not going to be a lot of big matches on every single one of them. A lot of tag team matches hyping up other matches, and then there are going to be some special, some specialty matches. So let's just go over the first one on Saturday, February fourth, or sorry, Fe- Saturday, February first, at uh, doors open. At 16. Bell at 18. And uh, if you want. You know. You can figure out. What time exactly that is. But. The opening match. We got. uh, Yuya. Yoramora. Nailed that one. With Tiger Mask. Taking on El Phantasmo. And Taiji Ishimori. In a tag match. I would assume. EOP. And Taiji. Get the win. On this one. Then another tag team match. you get. Toa Henarare. Honma. And Togi Makabe. Taking on. Yoratsuji. Uh. Nakanishi, and Hiroshi Tenson I mean, this one can go either way. They've been giving uh, Hinare some wins, put them over strong on that first uh, Tokyo Dome show. You got Hanman Makabe there as well. So I'm going to go with them. No real reasoning behind it as well. So then the other, we have a third match, an eight-man tag. We get Toguchi, Gucci, 3 k Yo with Will Ospreay taking on uh, Doki, Uh, Kanemaru, El Desperado, and Zack Sabre Jr. So a chaos taking on the Suzuki Goon. And this is obviously leading up to a match that's going to happen the next night with Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. This one can go back and forth either way. So it's kind of hard to really predict. I will go with Suzuki-Goon to get the win. Why the hell not? Maybe Zack Sabre Jr. taps out Will Ospreay. I doubt it. But I, I think Zack will be in the finish somehow. Then we get a special tag team match. We get Robbie Eagles and Ryu Lee, formerly Dragon Lee, taking on Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi this match. This is going to be when the show starts getting good. This should be a fun tag team match. I will go with Hiromu to get the win since he is still the junior heavyweight champion. Then we got a, another special tag match. We get LIJ, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito taking on Bullet Clubs, Jay White, and Kenta. Obviously, these are building up the two big matches next next weekend between Sonata and Jay White, and Tetsuya Naito and Kenta for the double championships. And I will go with the heels to get the win on this one, not saying the baby faces will win both matches in the coming weeks, but I think uh, Jay White and Kenta get gets boosting up their credibility a little bit going into the matches. the The real matches next week will uh, will help them. Then the sixth match, we get another specialty tag match. We get a dream tag team that we all knew we wanted: John Moxley and Kazuchika Okada taking on Minoru Suzuki and Taichi. I would assume Taichi is the one who eats the pinfall here, maybe by John Moxley getting a uh, paradigm shift or death rider, or whatever the hell they call it in uh, his double arm DDT. Come on, people, you know what I'm talking about, so... Taichi seems though he's the odd man out. There are reports of people talking about maybe Minoru Suzuki isn't going to be with New Japan much longer. So it will be interesting. Maybe Minoru takes uh, takes the uh, the loss here and then he loses again against Moxley as he jobs on the way out. Who knows? But now we're going to move on to finally some singles matches. We get a special singles match. We get Tomohiro Ishii taking on Evil. So yes, finally my boy Tomohiro Ishii gets a singles match. It's not the Tokyo Dome. But he is in the semifinals, the semi-main event, I should say. And I'm gonna go with Tomohiro Ishii. No real reason behind behind it, but you know he's my boy, so I'm gonna root him on till the end as he takes on Evil. And then in the main event of the first night in Sapporo, we get the never open weight championship match. The newly crowned champion Hiroki Goto takes on Shingo Takagi, and this continues Shingo elevating him into the heavyweight division. I think Goto keeps it here. Uh, Kenta was just the champion, so then they put it on Goto, and now you want to have Shingo win it again. I mean, it could be a really big deal for Shingo to win it, and he is the never-open-weight champion. I would love to see Shingo win it, but I think they're going to keep it on Goto for a little bit because I think Goto has uh, elevated his stock recently. I think he's been the story is he was at the LA Dojo with Shibata, he's gotten better. And I would agree with that. I think he has definitely seemed reinvigorated, and he has been a lot better in the, since the last you know, two years since he was really in that kind of upper main event, upper mid-card, lower main event tier. So moving on to night two for the New Beginning show in support. This takes place on Sunday, February 2nd, a little earlier start time, a, is it a, Yes, a three-hour difference. So the Sunday show will take place three hours earlier. And the opening match, we get Toa Hanadare taking on Yota Suji. And I'm going to go with Hanadare to get the win as well. I feel as though I keep butchering his name, but it just is the only way I can really say it. So, Toa. We're going to go with Toa. And then we got a four, a six-man tag team match. We got uh, Yuya Yudamora, Toma I should have just said Hanma. Hanma and Makabe taking on Tiger Mask, Nakanishi, and Tenzan. So a pretty similar lineup to what we saw the night before. Uh, I'm, Who knows? Maybe you give the uh, the uh, the the veterans of Tiger Mask, Nakanishi, and Tenzan a win, and they pin the Young Lion. Then we got a singles match. In the middle of the show, we got... Gabriel Kidd taking on El Phantasmo. I don't exactly know anything about Gabriel Kidd, so I will go with ELP to get the victory. In the fourth match, a six-man tag. Robbie Eagles, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto taking on Bushi, Evil, and Shingo Takagi. So many of these men or you know, Ishii taking on Evil, Goto taking on Shingo. It's going to be a rematch of sorts in a tag team match. I will go with LIJ. To get the victory, you know, 50 50 booking everybody. Everybody gets a win. Maybe even Bushi gets the pin on Robbie Eagles. Who knows? Then the fifth match, a special eight man tag, we get to Show and Yo, and John Moxley taking on the uh, team of Doki, uh, Kanamaru, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, I would assume that maybe Minoru Suzuki and John Moxley will fight their way out and they're going to. Leave it up to the other six guys to wrestle this match. So we will have to stay tuned. I will go officially with Shouanyo getting the victory somehow in this match. Then we got a special six-man tag match. We got uh, Hiromu Takahashi, Sanada and Tetsuya Naito. L.I.J. taking on Bullet Club. Kenta, J. White, and Taiji Ishimori. I will go with Takahashi continuing his dominance, pinning Taiji Ishimori. So Bullet Club Wins the night before in the tag match with Jay White and Kenta taking on Sonata and Tetsuya Naito. But adding Takahashi will be the X-Factor as he gets the win over Taiji Ishimori. And then we move on to the two singles match main events. The British Heavyweight Championship as the champion. Zack Sabre Jr. defends his title against Will Ospreay. I don't exactly know too much about the British Heavyweight Championship. So, who knows? I love Will Ospreay. Maybe he'll get the victory over Zack Sabre Jr. You know, two Brits going at it. Battering the hell out of each other. So I'm going to go with Will Ospreay. And then in the main event, a special singles match. don't know how special it really is, because we got Kazuchika Okada taking on Chi, and it's Chi. I know he's gotten one up on Okada a few times, but I'm going to plant my flag in the ground and say that Okada will get the win over Chi in the main event. So, not the most... Uh, you know, tantalizing matches, especially when we just come off the Tokyo Dome show, but uh, the show next, next week will be a very good, as we see Tetsuya Naito taking on Kenta, and we're going to get that John moxley Suzuki match. So those two, that's definitely going to be the main event of the three shows, but when when you, uh, they've been doing this in New Japan recently, where they have the big shows kind of split up in a few days, and you can see that they have Key matches that they put in the main events of a few of the matches, and then the kind of the undercard does take a little bit of a hit. But overall, it's New Japan. I think all the shows will be good. Moving on, speaking of a good show, we got the NXT versus NXT UK Worlds Collide event that happened on Saturday, January 25th. This took place in Houston, Texas at the Toyota Center, and the announcers were Nigel McGuinness and Tom Phillips. No Beth Phoenix, no Mauro Ranallo, combining, I guess, NXT and NXT UK. So there you go. We get uh, the pre-show, which I did not see, sorry to say. Mia Yim taking on Kylie Ray, and as I predicted, Kylie Ray gets the victory 9 minutes 14 seconds. As you would think, not too much to the match. Kylie Ray gets over because it's a pre-show match, and she's a champ, so put the champ over when you get the option to. Then we move on to the main card. We get the uh, Winston Churchill. We get some sound bites from him leading up into the uh, the video package between NXT and NXT UK. Nigel McGuinness and Tom Phillips are shown at ringside. And the opening match, as I think I predicted, Finn Balor taking on Ilya dragging off, And in the end, Finn Balor gets the win at 13 minutes in fifty seconds. Now this match I think it was well worked. And this is going to be a theme for the rest of the night. That the wrestling in ring was really good, but the crowd definitely did not know a majority of the NXT UK talent. Ilya Dragunov, you know, as I said last week, I don't really know a whole lot about him. I've seen him on the NXT Takeovers, because I don't watch weekly NXT UK. So I don't exactly know too much about him, but I was going to keep an open mind. I heard good things about him, that this is going to be a good match. I mean, it's Finn Balor, and Finn Balor can have a a good match with pretty much anybody, and with what I've heard about Dragunov, I knew this was going to be a good match, and it was. It was a good match, but just the kind of lack of crowd response to off, And I think people kind of saw this as that it was a foregone conclusion that Finn was going to win. So it was kind of hard to really get into the match. I think that might have hurt it a wee bit, but this match in the States isn't going to work. I think it would have worked a whole lot better if it was in the UK. So I don't know if you were to switch the location, if you were to put this entire show in the UK, that it would be so much better because the crowd would have known I would assume they would know everybody. And they would probably side with NXT UK people sometimes, and NXT USA people sometimes. But, I mean, this is kind of the first glance that we saw that the crowd didn't know a whole lot about the NXT UK product. And, I mean, who can blame them? There's so much stuff, so much wrestling, let alone WWE product out there, that's really hard to keep up on everything. We see uh, Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm pumping themselves up in the locker rooms. Then we go to Kathy Kelly, catching up with the Grizzled Young Vets and the Broserweights at ringside, hyping up the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I erroneously thought that it was going to be on this show, but it is not. It's going to be on NXT tomorrow on Wednesday. So the uh, they go back and forth, and Zach Gibson gets on the mic and talks about, you know, these singles competitors are might be great individually, but they're not going to be that well as a tag team. And then uh, Riddle... And Dunn, they say some things, and Pete Dunn says, uh, you know, I'll be blunt. And then Matt Riddle goes all crazy, and they cut, cut a little promo. You know, it was fun while it lasted, and I'm really looking forward to this match because it's going to be a barn burner if given the time. If it's going to be the main event, and they give it 20 minutes, this match is going to be a lot of fun. So then we get the four-way for the Cruiserweight Championship. Isaiah got Travis Banks, Jordan Devlin, and Angel Garza the champion, but he does not successfully defend his championship because Jordan Devlin, yes, Jordan Devlin wins at 12 minutes and four seconds. So just going on to the end, Travis Banks regrouped All four recovered. Garza and Devlin rolled from the ring, and Banks and Swerve paired off and exchanged chops to the corner. Swerve caught Banks in an inverted falcon arrow. For two, Garza went up and hit a reverse Rana on Swerve. Garza hit his wing clipper on Swerve, but then Devlin tossed Garza. Devlin then hit his Devlin side on Swerve and covered him. For the one, two, three new champion, so Jordan Devlin does not pin and Angel Garza, but he pins Swerve. And we get a new champion. Very interesting uh, decision to go with Jordan Devlin. I wonder if this is his pseudo call-up where he's going to be on NXT regularly. Or is he just going to be on 205 Live regularly and then he continues to be on NXT UK for the tapings. They haven't done that much with the NXT Champion NXT Cruiserweight Championship. It was a freshly designed belt. It was all black. It had the same silver kind of cutout logo, whatever you want to call it, the plates, and had NXT on it instead of WWE. So it is a freshly, you know, it's a new title. They just put some money into redesigning it, so I would assume that that means they're still going to go on with it. And it will be interesting to see what they do with the Cruiserweight Championship. They haven't done too much with it on NXT, which was kind of surprising, especially since they changed it to the NXT title. And now they get Jordan Devlin, NXT UK guy up there, so we'll just have to stay tuned to find out because now is it going to be bounced around on NXT UK, NXT 205 Live, and it's just going to go back and forth all over the place. I don't know. But honestly, I don't really care. I do love Jordan Devlin. I think he's really good uh, he was one of my match picks a few weeks ago, a few months ago, with him and David Starr. That match was absolutely insane. One of the Match of the Year contenders. So, Jordan Devlin can be a top-tier cruiserweight heel. Yes, he is very under undersized, so it will be kind of hard for him to be in the WWE main roster ecosystem. So, I think him being a cruiserweight champion, I think it's kind of the perfect fit for him. So, uh, good for him, and let's just... Wait and see what happens. Keith Lee and Mia Yim were at ringside. Lee having his new North American Championship got a great reaction from the crowd. And there you go. We, uh, I don't think they did not acknowledge that they're a real life couple. They just kind of said like, oh, they're together. Like, they're just, like, friends or sitting together. So they didn't go too deep into the personal lives of the wrestlers. And then we get Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, and Tret 7 taking on DIY Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. In the end, the match goes 22 minutes, 54 seconds. I was expecting a great match from these guys, and they definitely delivered. It was a fantastic match. I don't know if I would say it was the best match of the night. I thought this match and the main event was very well done as well. But I think I will go and say that I like this match a lot. Uh, Just a straight up two-on-two tag team match. Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, absolutely fantastic. I think the crowd, surprisingly, they weren't like that much into Mustache Mountain. I would think that they would be because Mustache Mountain has been on regular NXT multiple times. Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, whether it be a tag team or individuals, maybe it just shows that the this crowd just really has just seen NXT since it's been on USA Network, because when Tyler Bate and Trent Seven were on NXT, it was in the network era, and they were on there maybe not you know all the time, but they were there various amounts of times. But who knows? Uh, the crowd response for DIY was good. This was definitely not like a super hot takeover crowd that you would that you were used to. It's not a WrestleMania crowd or even like a WarGames crowd. So I, I don't know if it was just the Houston area it isn't a big NXT hotbed, but the crowd maybe took a little bit away from it, but the match itself was really good as well. And we do the uh, the whole spot where everyone just hugs each other and everyone's thinking like, oh, maybe Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa will turn on each other. But nope, they stayed completely straightforward. Two babyface teams going at it, no turns whatsoever but I would predict somewhere on down the line that Johnny Gargano is going to turn on Tommaso Ciampa. I've talked about it, that Johnny just hasn't... He's hes over with the crowd, but when he's paired against someone else that the crowd likes possibly even more, then they just go and boo him, like what they're doing right now with Finn Balor. Maybe it'll be a, uh, a jumping-off point. Maybe Johnny loses to Finn Balor, and then maybe Ciampa wins the title. Maybe he turns on Ciampa, and he goes to the title. Who knows? But very good match. We get a uh, a Tegan Nox and Dakota Kai spot at ringside because they showed Dakota Kai, and Tegan Nox just runs right after her and just pelts her. The, or, sorry, it was the other way around, I think. Oh, no. Uh, Dakota Kai was out there, and then Tegan Knox comes out and wails on her. And then they uh, tried to pull them apart, and the crowd started booing. So that's why the crowd was booing, because the security guards were trying to pull them apart. And the match is going to be tomorrow on Wednesday. And I really like this build. I thought it was really fun. I was hoping for some more on the Royal Rumble, especially since both these women were in the match. But they did not cross paths, which... Probably was intentional, but I would have liked to see some extra build and extra talk about this feud going forward. But we get the Women's NXT Championship match. They just said, as Philip kind of talked about, it was just called the NXT Championship match, but I'm still calling it the NXT Women's Championship, damn it. The Rhea Ripley, the champion, takes on Tony Storm, and Rhea Ripley wins at 10 minutes and 7 seconds seconds I thought this match was a tad bit disappointing a 10 minutes so it was kind of short Storm was working over Rhea for a long period of time Rhea makes the comeback and gets the win so it it was pretty straightforward like what the match buildup was you know Rhea Ripley gets a little bit of offense early Tony Storm doesn't cheat or anything just kind of gets the upper hand and kind of works over Ripley for a long period of time Telling the story that maybe Tony does have Rhea's number, but no, Rhea hits the riptide kind of out of nowhere and gets the win. So, this match was not that great. I don't know, I mean, I think I would give it like three and a quarter stars, maybe even three and a half. I'm feeling generous, but it definitely did not meet my expectations. I thought this match could have been a show stealer. It was not at 10 minutes, it's not really given the time to be a show stealer, but. It is what it is. Tony Storm, I don't know if I'm losing faith in her, but may I'm losing faith in WWE. Having faith in her, I keep saying, like, AEW, if if you want to bolster your women's division, you got to go after some of those women in NXT. And as we saw in the Royal Rumble, there's a lot of talented women in NXT. Tony Storm, I think, would be my first pick if I'm out there trying to grab some women from NXT. And I don't know if it's her being complacent, if she's just not given the opportunity, but there's been some times where Tony Storm hasn't exactly lived up to the hype. I thought the match she had, the triple threat match at TakeOver Blackpool a few weeks ago, I thought it was good, wasn't an absolute barn burner, but it's a triple threat match, you can't exactly expect too much from it, but I'm still on the Tony Storm bandwagon, and I think I don't think that she's going to be, you know, the top star of the company, like I keep saying. Maybe she catches fire like Becky Lynch did, and it just takes one or two things to drop in the right places for Tony to get hot and get over, but it's not looking so far that way right now. Uh, We go to ringside. Bianca Belair was mockingly cheering and pointed at Rhea's belt. Rhea jawed back at her, and the scene faded to black. We go to a backstage interview where Johnny Gargano was being interviewed by somebody else. It wasn't like Kathy Kelly or anything on screen. It was kind of like he was talking to some other form of the media. And then out of nowhere, Finn Balor attacked and Mustache Mountain showed up to break it up. Straightforward, continuing on with the Finn Balor-Johnny Gargano spot. And now we get the main event, The Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, baby, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roger Strong taking on Imperium uh, Walter. Alexander Wolf, Fabian Eigner, and Marcel Barthel. And this match was really good. 29 minutes, 51 seconds. As you might have known, that there was a knockout, a botch, if you will, where Red Dragon was doing a spot where they were going to kick Alexander Wolf one in the chest, one in the back, and Wolf ducked his chin a little too much, and I believe it was Bobby Fish caught him right in the jaw, knocked him out. Bobby Fish went for the pin. Wolf didn't kick out. The ref had to stop it, threw up the X, checked on Wolf, and they didn't, you know, show him leave the ring, but you can kind of see it when they had the hard camera on that he was just kind of struggling to get out of the ring and even standing up. Uh, No word yet on exactly the extent of the injury, but Wolf says he's fine. I hope he's fine. Hopefully it was just, well, hopefully it's, you know, he, he was knocked out and hopefully it's nothing too serious that's going to keep him out for a long period of time and he can clear the concussion protocol and he can come back. So obviously with that being said, with Wolf being knocked out, he was, you know, four on four. And now it's three on four. It's a handicap match. Makes it a little awkward and as I kind of said when I was watching it, they kind of just blew the spot right after. So after Alexander Wolf comes out, there's kind of some confusion and they Just, you know, obviously when someone gets hurt and he was in plans for a 30-minute match and it happens less than 10 minutes into the match, it's going to throw you for a loop. And they just go into Walter and Adam Cole staring off. I would assume that that wasn't the planned spot because you would think that having Walter and Adam Cole face off for the first time in the match would have been a much bigger deal. But because of the injury to Wolf, they kind of had to maybe hit the fast-forward button. On that, or just kind of skip to something and just put the two leaders, the two workhorses in there, and they can figure out and stall for time for the next five minutes while they get to what they're supposed to get to. But in the end, uh, Imperium gets the win at 29 minutes, 51 seconds. They do a spot where they take out uh, Walter at ringside on the announced tables so everyone in the ring is selling they all met for exchange of fists at the ring walter puts the sleeper on fish but o'reilly puts the sleeper on walter they hit the high low on walter barthel hits a spanish fly on strong on the outside and cole and Eigner hit topes walter and fish were legal fish missed a moonsault walter then puts a hits a drop kick on Fish, and then gives him a power bomb, good enough for the victory, so Fish takes the pinfall here, I was wondering maybe they would do it with Roderick Strong, maybe kind of telling a story that he loses, and he's been kind of the weak link of Undisputed Era, but no, Bobby Fish takes the loss here, and I know I think I predicted Undisputed Era to get the win, but I think Imperium is the right choice, because Undisputed Era they're kind of Teflon at this point, and I think you want to build up Walter and Imperium for maybe later on down the line for them to do something else in NXT. So I'm fine with this. Yes, Fish kind of takes the pinfall. He's kind of always the odd man out, I would say, but overall, I would give this the show, this match, a thumbs up. The show, as I said, was kind of hurt by the lack of crowd response from the Houston audience, but the crowd this i mean the show could have been easily like you know terrible and just lackluster and everything like that so it could have we didn't exactly know what what this match or what the show was going to be when it first announced but i think it definitely did reach expectations and i think it was overall a good show now let's move on to regular NXT. This took place on the January 22nd. As always, takes place at Full Sail University. Mauro Ranallo, Nigel McGinnis, and Beth Phoenix were on commentary. So, there you go. We get a Two-plus-minute highlight package of last week, including on predator Attacking Keith Lee on Tommaso Ciampa. And we open up the show with Kylo Riley, Bobby Fish, taking on the Grizzled Young Vets, James Drake, and Zach Gibson in the semifinals of the Dusty Roads Tag Team Classic. We get the Grizzled Young Vets getting the win, as we talked about a little bit earlier. 13 minutes, but Imperium is the reason why this match was... Uh, kind of halted because Imperium shows up and then the Undisputed Area gets all flustered and they end up taking the loss so I'm not a big fan of the Destruction finish, especially when it's not used all that often in NXT. Keep it away. Keep that stuff in WWE. We get a Rhea Ripley video package including Tony Storm, so just kind of more stuff hyping up the World Collide event. Phoenix then plugged Storm taking on EO. EO a Shotzi Blackhawk vignette aired. She said that people are talking about her eliminating Shayna Baszler last week and in, in the Royal Rumble. She says, You're crazy out. She said, You can't out crazy her because I've got a devil may care attitude and big cojones. She said, If you think that last week was a big deal, wait until she beats Shayna this week or tonight. Uh, then Tony Storm. Takes on Io Shirai and we go a no contest or a DQ finish by uh, as Belair shows up and attacks Io. So Io gets the victory, I would assume, by disqualification. Then Rhea comes out and attacks. Storm or Rhea attacks Bel Air and then kinda of Tony Storm gets the upper hand and Tony is the only one in the ring and she holds up the title and surprisingly Tony Storm was booed when she was holding up that title, which I think shows how over Rhea Ripley is and how much she is connected with that full cell crowd, which I think is a good thing. I would say that oh she's not as hot as she used to be. And that kind of two-week layoff between her winning the title and coming back after the two tape shows might have hurt her. But Rhea is still over in that full cell crowd. And now that we have got past World's Collide, and now we're going to head on to Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, I think that is a good first feud, especially with what happened at the Royal Rumble. So, moving on. We get the uh, backstage interview with Undisputed Era and Kathy Kelly, who were up in arms over the loss earlier. O'Reilly said that if it wasn't for Imperium, that they would be two-time Dusty Classic tournament winners. Cole then said that he knows Imperium was at fault and that they have to shift their attention to Keith Lee and helping Roderick Strong retain his title. We get a vignette of Ilya Dragunov facing off Finn Balor, so despite all their best efforts to hype up Dragunov, the crowd at Finn Houston still did not know who he was. Speaking of Fin Fin, he takes on Joaquin Wilde, formerly DJZ, and Balor wins in about two minutes. Kind of a bummer that Joaquin is used in this fashion. He is just kind of a jobber up at this point. He's almost kind of like Kona Reeves, eh, because Kona isn't really doing anything. I think he's over in NXT UK at this point, but I would hope that Joaquin Wilde, DJZ, would get a lot more... TV time, get a little bit of a push, maybe even be, like, a good, solid, like, low mid-card, even, like, put him in a tag team. I think having Joaquin and somebody else in a tag team could be a lot of fun, like, maybe even put him and Tyler Breeze or him and Fandango together, I don't know, but just, it was a good squash match, gets Finn Balor over, but I, I was more concerned about why is Joaquin Wilde losing this fast, but Anyways we get a backstage interview with Shayna Baszler, and she was asked about Blackheart spoiling her plans to be the number one contender in the Battle Royal. And then Baszler said if Shotzi thinks that she made a statement, but wait, and blah, 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 so just kind of straightforward. And Shayna Baszler saying that she's going to come back and she's going to win the championship. She's going to be Shayna three times. And then... We get that match. Shayna Baszler taking on Shotzi Blackhawk. Only going seven minutes, and Baszler gets the victory. But I thought this was a good match. Shotzi getting the upper hand a little bit. She hits a sliced bread on the ring apron on the outside. And she gets kind of the big spot. Shotzi going up, maybe trying to hit a splash or something. Put away Shayna. But no, Shayna catches her in the Kirifuda clutch. And Shotzi fights off for a little bit. But in the end, she tapped out. So good look. Good, you know, showcase for Shotzi getting a little bit over on Basel, but then in the end, basil gets the win as you would expect. So Sh- Shotzi, you know, she comes in after just debuting on that show, uh, the Christmas show with Bianca Belair, which I thought she also had a very good show, and so it shows that Shotzi is, you know, on the radar for NXT, and now that she was in the Royal Rumble, and now she's in the, you know, these matches with Shayna Baszler on NXT. I don't know if Shane is leaving for the main roster. I'm hoping if we can finally get that Shayna Baszler-Becky Shingles singles match. But Shotzi definitely on the radar for NXT going forward. And we're going to have to wait and see. Maybe she'll be uh, challenging for that NXT title somewhere down the line. We get a video vignette of Tegan Knox talking about her friendship with Dakota Kai and the betrayal. They plug that that match is going to come up next week. Very uh, straightforward, good vignette by her. We also get some advertisements or some vignettes on Mustache Mountain. And then backstage, Ke- Kathy Kelly interviews Anhel Garza about defending his title in the four-way. And, you know, he's all confident and he doesn't feel pressure. He admired his purple title belt, but in the end, we all know he lost. Maybe I should have done this show before the World Collide event. But anyways, who, who cares? Uh, we all know what happens. Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle take on Imperium. And Riddle and Dunn win in 14 minutes to advance to the Dusty Classic Finals. No shenanigans from the uh, Undisputed area. You would think maybe they would kind of give him a receipt, but no. Just kind of straight up Riddle and Dunn get the victory. Very good match start to finish. I like this even more than the opening match because there was no distraction finish. And Riddle and Dunn get the win so they uh, go to the stage, Riddle and Dunn, that is, to celebrate. But then the Grizzled Young Vets meet them, and they talked about facing them. Drake vowed that they would take them out and take that Dusty Rhodes title or Dusty Rhodes trophy back to Liverpool. And they talk, and Drake said something about joint manipulation. And then Riddle brought that up as well and said once he said joint manipulation, he just spaced out, bro which I thought was a good line, and they go back and forth, so kind of showing the lovable stoner that Matt Riddle is. They are kind of going a little heavy-handed with it, but it is kind of getting over. People do love Matt Riddle, so I'm not too much against it. And Then in the main event, we get Roderick Strong taking on Keith Lee for the North American title, and Lee is your new North American champion at 23 minutes. We get some interference with the Undisputed air, but Lee is able to fight them off, and Lee pins strong with his finisher for the win. Very good match. And as I said, Lee has had his opportunity so many times. Just put the title on him. Have him be that North American champion. You don't have... You have the undisputed era with heels on the men's side being champion. So might as well have a babyface men's champion. And hopefully this means that Keith Lee is staying in NXT. I know I predicted him to be the Royal Rumble winner, but that did not happen. And who knows what Lee is going to be doing. I would assume we're going to get a rematch at TakeOver Portland since it's less than a month away. It's going to be kind of hard to build up a new opponent for Keith Lee. So just have him face strong again, have him beat strong again, and then we can move on to whatever he's going to do at WrestleMania weekend. After the match, in Imperium comes out, they do a big old brawl, and this is obviously typing up the show at Worlds Collide. Overall, I thought it was a good show, but once again, it is kind of complicated because they're just hyping up so many things at one time. You got the Dusty Cup, you got the Worlds Collide, you got TakeOver Portland, you even got got Keith Lee, and even they're hyping stuff up for tonight with Shotzi and uh, Shayna and Keith Lee and Roger Strong. So they're just kind of hyping up so many things at one time that it is kind of all over the place and scattered, but... It is still top to bottom a good show. I kind of do this every week. I think I would give The Edge to AEW this week just because that it was a new aesthetic. It was on a boat. I wasn't the biggest fan of the the lighting and kind of the guardrails being so close to the ring, but that also meant that there was no dives, or maybe like one or two dives in the entire show for AEW. So I would give The Edge to AEW on this one. And yeah, let's go to the mailbox, and of course you know, there ain't nobody emailing this podcast. But if you would like to email, it is utrmailbag at gmail.com, and finally I was just going to go over quickly, kind of more little in-depth analysis of the Royal Rumble and how it was affected by NXT, obviously the NXT Women's Battle Royal, Royal Rumble as we kind of talked about it. A lot more women from NXT in this. I'm just going to kind of quickly go over all the entrants and how they kind of fared from NXT. So we got Bianca Belair coming out number two. Her and Shayna Baszler tying or breaking the record with eight eliminations by itself. So Bianca Belair, very similar to what happened in the Men's World Rumble. It was kind of a tale of two halves. You got the Bianca Belair half in the beginning, and then you got the Charlotte Flair half at the end, so I thought Bianca Belair was portrayed very nicely, and then she gets dumped out in the end, she does get dumped out by the eventual winner in Charlotte, so I think that was a way to protect Belair, and it's a good sign that, you know, she got this kind of spotlight in the Royal Rumble, so maybe she'll be in the main roster by the end of the year, and yeah, we got Mercedes Martinez, veteran, she comes out, doesn't really do a whole lot so kind of just a feel-good story, and she is the first person. Well, I guess Billy Gunn would be the the other person who has been in a Casino Battle Royal and a Royal Rumble. So there you go. Boom. And Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer was there as well. So maybe Tommy Dreamer. And well, she's the first woman. So there you go. Or well, I guess no. Karma was was Karma in there. I don't know. Who 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 knows? Mercedes Martinez. She was okay. Uh, we Candice LeRae. Candice comes out, she's wearing some sort of nod to uh, Shawn Michaels. She has some, like, Heartbreak Kid stuff, but Candice honestly didn't really do a whole lot. If I can look, I do not think she had a... She did not have one elimination, so Candace she kind of just comes out there and doesn't really do a whole lot. In the end, she gets eliminated by Bianca Belair. So once again, Bianca Belair running through the competition. Then we got Mia Yim comes out, and once again, Mia Yim doesn't really do anything because of all the eliminations by Bel Air. She kind of eats up a lot of the eliminations, so a lot of these women don't really do a whole lot. They just kind of come out, get the pop, and then kind of disappear in the ruckus of the Royal Rumble and then gets dumped out in the end. Dakota Kai comes out, and Kelsey Green come out at 15 and 16, and and they didn't really do a whole lot once again, but Green does toss out Dakota Kai, but then pretty much right after that, Alexa Bliss tosses out Chelsea Green. So Green does get a little bit of a spotlight, but then she just gets dumped out immediately by Bliss, so it's kind of hard for her to really, you know, bask in it in the air, announces really to put her over and kind of show her that she's a big deal, but it does show she was also shown at ringside for Worlds Collide, and this means, I would assume, that Chelsea Green is going to be a heel going forward, and maybe she faces Rhea Ripley at the uh, WrestleMania takeover. I don't think that's the best option, just because I've never really been super impressed with Green in her wrestling ability, but eh, it is what it is. And then Beth Phoenix, I know she's technically not NXT, but is she, she is the NXT announcer, and you got to put her over. She was just an absolute beast. She... Clonks her head on the ring post, on the turnbuckle, whatever, and she's just gushing blood, the back of her head, pretty much covered in red. And she goes through pretty much the entire match. She makes it to the final three, just like her hubby, Edge, did. And so shout-out to Beth Phoenix. In the end, she eliminated, if I can try to quickly pull this up, she only eliminated Natalia. So there you go. That's uh, Phoenix, the only person that was able... So, anyways, yeah. Uh, Then moving on to the final 10, we get uh, Zaya Lee, Shotzi Blackheart, and Shayna Baszler. Zaya Lee didn't really do anything. Shotzi Blackheart didn't do a whole much. They teased her eliminating uh, Shayna Baszler once again, but then Shayna in the end gets one up on Shotzi and eliminates her. And so then in the top or the final two, Shayna Baszler facing off against Charlotte and Shayna just kind of gets dumped out out unceremoniously. If you were to put Shayna in this match and have her lose, I guess this is kind of one of the best case scenarios for her. But I would say either you put Shayna in there and have her win, or you don't put her in there at all. I think Shayna is one of those women, just one of those acts that you need to protect her so much. Not in terms of like she's terrible, but I think just the aura and her badassness just have her out there and just kind of just run through everybody until she finally meets her match. And that's what I said, you know, last month when she faced Rhea Ripley. When Rhea finally was able to get one up on Shayna and Shayna showed fear, it meant so much more because we've seen her for two years practically just going through everybody and not giving a fuck and just beating up everybody. But I'm still holding out hope. There's still hope. She's not completely diminished or buried or anything. So there's still hope that maybe Baszler will face Becky or do something on the main roster for WrestleMania, but I I just didn't like how Baszler just comes out House of Fire. She comes out at 30. She eliminates pretty much everybody in the ring besides Charlotte, and then she just gets dumped out like that. Then in the men's match, the only NXT people I believe that were in this match was Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. So the two men who were very much rumored and speculated about who could win or go up against against Brock Lesnar, maybe eliminate him, Keith Lee, Kofi was the first person to make it through the entire 90 seconds. But Keith Lee was really the only the first person to really give Brock a credible, you know, fight, and he took a bump for Keith, and that got a really big pop. So I was thinking like, oh, maybe Keith will get it done. But in the end, Braun Strowman comes out and like the idiots they are, Keith Lee and Braun Strowman, instead of turning their attention to Brock Lesnar and team up and eliminate him, they start to fight each other and then they get eliminated by Brock Lesnar. So Keith Lee getting a spotlight by going up and knocking down Brock Lesnar, but then in the end he gets tossed out by him and then Matt Riddle. Jesus Christ, this was just so sad and so disappointing. He comes out and doesn't really do anything. Like He gets the nice pop from the crowd. He's all like bro it up and he does his little a slide flip off, but then in the end, he Matt Riddle gets eliminated by King Corbin. Like, are you serious? Matt Riddle, I I, I love Matt Riddle. I keep saying, kind of like Tony Storm, like he could be the top person in the company, but after this, in the Royal Rumble, I am a little weary that Vince McMahon does not understand what he has in Matt Riddle, and I, I, I'm not exactly sold that Triple H knows what he has in Matt Riddle, but Triple H has done a much better job at NXT protecting him. And he this was almost kind of a similar deal with NXT and Survivor Series. Matt Riddle was there. He got some shine, but Keith Lee was definitely the one that got the most shine out of the two. So if I'm, if I'm AEW, and if Matt Riddle's contract is coming up, I, 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 you never know. I would maybe try to throw the bag at him and try to s- swoop him up, even though the men's division isn't really the problem, but you can never have too much talent. And then obviously there is the report that there was some sort of altercation backstage with Matt Riddle and Brock Lesnar. It didn't come to blows, no physicality, but it was kind of a uh talk, and I, you know, Matt Riddle runs his mouth all the time and saying he wants to, you know, take out all the, the, you know, the shoot fighters, so he wants to take out Brock Lesnar and You know, it might be just him trying to get himself over. Maybe it's just him actually speaking what he thinks. But maybe Brock Lesnar and Matt Riddle might might go go at it one day. But maybe Brock will veto it because he hates Matt Riddle. And Brock is one of those guys that if he doesn't like you, he's not going to work with you. And that'll do it for me for today. Another marathon one. I've been going doing these long episodes for a long time now so thank you all very much for tuning in make sure to listen to the royal rumble recap me and philip did on sunday apparently there was some technical issues but uh if you want to hear my other royal rumble recap i assume i will do one with my boy dominic on curveballs and chair shots either on friday or saturday i'm going to talk about the royal rumble talk about AEW nxt raw And, obviously, preview the Super Bowl and talk about the life and legend of Kobe Bryant. Still can't believe he's gone. Still really hasn't hit me. There's moments where I see, like, oh, he's not really dead, but then it hits me again. And I watched Kobe's 60-point finale last night. I wonder how many people exactly watched that, but that was just phenomenal to see. And shout-out to Vanessa and the entire Bryant family and all the families that are affected by that crash on Sunday. So... Thank y'all very much for tuning in. Until next time, Thursday, me and Philip reconvene for the regular episode of the BullaCast. Thank y'all very much for tuning in. Goodbye and good night, Kobe. <laughs>